Hello everyone and welcome to episode 23 of Strangers in the Cinema. I'm Paul and I'm here with Pete. It's eerie man, it's episode 23 and it harks our minds back I think to the, one of the best films we've probably both ever seen, the Jim Carrey vehicle, the number 23, wherein we're explained how everything in the world does indeed relate to the number 23. And I defy you, listener, to argue with that thesis considering, what episode is it Paul today? It is episode number 23. Which makes you shiver a little bit. Has it been 23 days since the last? episode i probably i think it's been longer Pete. Al- almost definitely i think 23 it's 23 days. and hold on a second i'm 32 but if you reverse those <laughs> numbers okay we don't want to stick in this area for too long because it's going to get really really creepy it's, it's, otherwise it's everything's going to be linked to 23 so sorry we haven't been on air for a while uh pete's been on holiday Yes. 11 a reef, 10 a reef, 11 a reef. I've um, been waiting to put that joke on air for ages, now I can. Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of fluctuated between 9 a reef and 11 a reef, sort of settled on somewhere <laughs> around Tenerife. Uh, yes, I went to Tenerife for the first time, that was pretty cool. I went up a volcano, not a mountain. My girlfriend won't let me say a mountain, it's a volcano. Apparently, that sounds okay. more impressive. Um, and um, yeah, so being scared of heights and going up a, a giant volcano, pretty, pretty scary. Um, what have you been up to in the last. Can you not tell what, where I've been? Yeah, the you, listeners at home obviously have no idea of what t-shirt I'm wearing. But for for the benefit of the listeners at home, uh, Paul went to see a band I think called the the Duck Spirit. It's like the a, Duke Spirit. Oh, I'm with that you. Was, that was last night. So actually, I'm quite impressed that I'm in a state to be able to do the podcast today. To be honest, but yes, it was it was a good night and the band were fantastic. This was Bristol, the Fleece, right? Bristol, yeah, Fleece yeah. in Bristol. Yeah, but Britain, lest we lest we turn this into a music podcast. Let's turn it into whatever we want, man. We can do what we like. We should probably talk about films at some point, though, shouldn't we? Well, we have talked about the number 23, I suppose, but hopefully that won't come back to haunt us too much. But I've got a feeling that you're going to try and squeeze that in again at least once before the end. Uh, probably 23 times if you come <laughs> back, man. Yeah, so as we've established over the last three episodes now, from 21 to, to this one, uh, the format for the show will start off with the popcorn counter. We approach the counter, we take some popcorn. Is it sweet? Is it salty? Is it something else entirely? Uh, Paul, do you want to go first this week? I can go first. I don't really mind. I'll go first. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, so get to that counter, approach that sort of... The guy with the look of complete defeat in his eyes, just watching the clock and hoping for the end of his shift. What are you going to ask him to put in your little paper I bag? think I'm going to go with Salted first this week because the film that I am sweet on will leave me buzzing with so much positivity that we can carry it into the next section. Okay. So I'm going to go Salty first with Warcraft colon the beginning. Oh, listeners have been clamouring for a review of Warcraft <laughs> colon the beginning and finally you're going to give them what they want. Uh, yeah, I've seen this as well, but you kick off, man. What, so, what's the problem with it? Surely it's great. Duncan Jones directed. Well, exactly. This, right? Duncan Jones directed, and I, I sat there and I was constantly saying to my girlfriend, the trailer came on, I was like, I promise you it's going to be good. I'm sure it's going to be good. 100% going to be good. She's like, no, it looks terrible. It's based on a video game. They've not got much, you know, there's not much history of great video game movies. Um, and I was like, no, it's Duncan Jones. It's Duncan Jones, directed Moon, directed Source Code. He can't fuck this up. Man, I was wrong. It's leaden down with just terrible, terrible dialogue. The whole thing feels flat. The CGI is a bit terrible. Everyone in it is miscast. I don't understand why you would cast Dominic Cooper as a king of anything. And Ben Foster as some kind of 
young Merlin character. Just the whole thing, just it misfires. Yeah. It misfires on almost every yeah, level. Yeah, I mean, it was only the last episode we were talking about Hello High Water and Ben Foster in sort of full blown. It was actually really good. Yeah, yeah, and then and then in this uh, that we've both seen much more recently than we'd wish. Uh, he, yeah, almost unrecognizable and not in a good way. Um, there is one plus point to this movie though man I think I've expressed this to you already uh, it's in the shape of a sort of uh, what are we working with here orcs are they orcs they are orcs yeah, yeah. half orc half human played by Paula Patton the um, esteemed ex-girlfriend of uh, Robin Thicke she is she did things I don't know man I, I've never thought about did you watch the same Warcraft I watched because this sounds like you might have watched a slightly different film in which she does things the, but... after the colonists had triple X right oh no I no, we've watched a different <laughs> no different version okay. to, <laughs> to be fair this this thing I completely agree with you Paul because this thing was like one of those action films and yes reiterating Duncan Jones the you know offspring of Bowie uh, was responsible for this thing it is so like leaden and just fucking goes on and it had so much potential because the actual the universe of World of Warcraft I played a little bit of it not to any great extent unlike that was other an hour or so give or no take. that was Destiny but, <laughs> um, so I've played I have played bits and pieces and the actual the universe is there he's that is there I can't even speak today I'm that that disappointed in Warcraft I've lost the ability to speak the universe that is there could be great there's a there's a lot of lore that could be tapped into. And I think it's just it just seems to cram so much into it, but no one seems no one seems sold by this, the lines they're reading, which doesn't help matters. Every performance is kind of flat, and there's a bit towards the end where someone decides to kill another character, and you're like, why have you done that? Like it makes absolutely no sense. It just and it just it was just boring. Mm. Well, let's carry on this uh, this positive party over here, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna bring in my salty review as well for now. Um, this is the latest sort of hand-wringing um, nationalistic outpouring from Peter Berg. Um, oh, Pe Peter Berg. Peter Berg, you, you might know from recent directorial stuff like um, Lone Survivor or um, Battleship even with, with Rihanna. Uh, but I first came across him, not in that way, given the film, in... The Last Seduction. Yes, yes. Called it, yes. With beautiful... <laughs> now we know why we do a film podcast, because beautiful, we can both uh, cite The Last Seduction. Yeah, half Michael Jackson look-alike Linda Fiorentino. <laughs> uh, yes, th that was my introduction to Peter Berg as like a sort of workable actor. Uh, now he seems to have brought his sort of stock and trade into, yeah, as I say, these sort of um, right-on tales of American heroism, uh, loosely speaking. At least the last couple and the next one coming up is about the Boston uh, bombing at the at the marathon. And so here you've got Mark Wahlberg going off uh, as a sort of seemingly ideal father, going off to work on an oil rig. Um, there's a bit of nice foreshadowing at the beginning where his daughter shows or tries to illustrate how the oil rig works by punching a, a straw into a can that then sort of pushes all the liquid out of the top and you can see and there's a low rumbling in that scene. Peter Berg does a nice job actually with setting up and executing a disaster on an oil rig. There's no problem yeah. there. My problem with the movie comes in... Um, I imagine it looks good. It, I mean, from it the does. trailer, I mean, it, the film doesn't appeal, but the trailer makes the film look like it looks fantastic yeah and, and um, I, I really would stop short of sort of sounding like I'm hating on, on Peter Berg's stuff and what he does because I quite enjoyed Lone Survivor to be honest you know what it is You know, I haven't seen Lone Survivor I hated Battleship but I haven't seen Lone Survivor yeah it, I think it's it definitely a couple of, of rungs up from Battleship but once you get past all the bluster and the, and the visual spectacle of this thing 
in my mind anyway, you're left with this sort of unease about the motivations, I suppose, for making a film like this, because we're presented with two characters, one played by John Malkovich, who are heads, um, bosses at, at BP. And obviously this is based on a real BP oil disaster. I think the greatest in US uh, oil dig, what disaster history. oil mining, uh, yeah. whatever, history. Drilling, yeah. oil, drilling. oil drilling history, right. The greatest disaster. This was responsible for tons and tons of damage to the ecosystem and to wildlife and so on. And also the death of people who were on the, the uh, rig itself. And, also, lest we be unaware of this, we're living in 2016, where it turns out that going to a place pursuing oil, where things then go wrong, might carry with it some kind of subtext that relates to current, you know, socio-political yeah. events. And Peter Berg must be well aware of that. But instead of hammering the point about the culpability of the people from BP in this terrible, terrible disaster, he kind of soft pedals at the end and lets them off, lets the entire company off, and makes it just a tale of heroism. Just like, you know, when we talked about American Sniper, and this is the same yeah. kind of problem I had there. As an action film, American Sniper, not not terrible. As a, as a bit of how can we film snipering someone from yeah. distance, pretty impressive, actually. But the problem I have is these films are made in a context, and that context makes them look bad. And it makes this film look bad, I think. So that's why I feel sorry to take that so seriously. But yeah, it, it just kind of didn't sit well with me, really. No. I felt a bit uncomfortable. Let's bring this up a little bit. Let's bring let's the energy bring this up. up. Yeah, let's bring this up. Blair Witch. Okay, what's this? You're, you're going to do a, a feature or like a, a positive review of a film that came out many years ago. Why? No, that was Blair Witch Project. Oh. Or the Blair Witch Project, should we say. This is its belated sequel well second sequel that definitely ignores the book of shadows which i've not seen which is actually disappointing for me uh but i have seen blair witch directed by adam wingard who masterfully is one of my favorites actually current directors working today so i came in with this with this film with a sense of excitement and for once this year that's not the only time this year no, it probably is the only time this year a film has actually really, truly lived up to my expectations. I absolutely love Blair Witch. Mm -hmm. You can say what you like about the start. It starts off a bit slowly and it does start off and you're sitting there going, okay, they're just retreading the first film over again. I mean, there's a connection to the first film though, isn't there? There is, right? yeah. It's, in, the, in the, it's the brother. So the character the character in Blair Witch is the brother of the girl that went missing in the first film. Um, that's You don't really need to have seen the first film recently. I did watch it again for, just for the sake of it because I hadn't seen it in years. Um, but yeah, and, and initially, yes, it does it does feel a bit like they're kind of rerunning the same, the same sort of traveling the same footsteps as the first film, but it's just done so well, and then it, it just builds to such a crescendo of horror perfection. Like just the scenes at the end, like everyone's terrified in the cinema, everyone's jumping out of their skin, just bang, 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 and then end. And you're like, yes, that's how you do a thoroughly entertaining horror film in the cinema. Yeah, yeah. I, I... I, it's funny, this is another one where we had a, a really, really similar response, I think, because, I yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. The, f the set of the sort of first half of the film is good enough. It's good enough. Yeah, it's like, solid, yeah. There There's are moments, that, it, there are scares, stuff. there are sort of clever things that, that done with the camera. I like the use of the drone. Uh, the drone was very cool. It's like a modern if, touch. If anything, slightly underused, I thought, actually, the drone. The yeah, drone yeah, po nice possibly touch, so, but, but allowed them to do some stuff that you obviously couldn't do when they made the original one in the 90s. But then... Yeah, that last sequence. Oh. I mean, I was in a screening where it was maybe only half full or something like that, but 
it was one of those films and these come up every sort of few months I think if you have a good year where you find yourself smiling although you're in the dark and no one can see it yeah. doesn't matter you're just smiling at the screen because what is happening is just so note perfectly what you would want from a film like this when I went with my girlfriend and she said she hadn't been that scared in a film in ages and she spent most of the probably the last half an hour with her hands over her eyes mm. and we watch a lot of horror films together so that you know gives you some indication and it just it just was so well executed mm. like he just he just knows what he's doing with, with horror I think he, even a cut above your next which I thought was great as well mm. um, but no it, you know, really really Happy so, that it was good. So I'm putting you on the spot here, but The Shallows, Don't Move, Blair Witch, what's the order for you in terms of those? Because they've all come out in fairly quick succession in this sort of summer, late summer period. Blair Witch, The Shallows and Don't Breathe, probably right. in that order. But The Shallows and Blair Witch, probably quite, quite closely tied, actually. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's been such slim pickings in some previous years, the last few years, that... I feel like we've done all right out of this period in terms of sort of thriller horror movies, you know, to be able to reel off those three even in the last yeah. couple of months can't be too bad of a year for, for genre cinema that makes it to the big screen, which is increasingly something that yeah. doesn't happen too much, I suppose. So no, hopefully fair. that'll carry on in, into the future, you know, fingers crossed on that. Um, my positive, my, what we can get, get back to the format. Sweet popcorn. My sweet, sweet popcorn, popcorn for today. Oh, sweet Pete. How, oh dear, I, I, how I, I could, <laughs> how I could gush about this. Uh, talking of sweet, Paul, how sweet is sweeter than American Honey? Um, American Honey, directed by Andrea Arnold. Is... Can I just stop you there? Just, just a note to, a note to Cineworld. Thanks for taking it off after a week again, because I said, where did you see that, Pete? Oh, it's on at Church City World in Cheltenham. Oh, I'll go tomorrow because I happen to be off work. No, it's Oh, off. no, I can't. It's off. It's done. So, anyway. Well, they, they started screening it, I reckon. They realised it was in 4.3 format, and they were like, what is this filth? Get this out <laughs> of our cinema. How are we supposed to put this, did you pull this into the, in the wrong? Did you go and complain it was in the wrong format? <laughs> That's, at this point, yeah, I, I'm going to complain so much. Is it over-complain? What the hell are you doing? But, yeah, no, this is exactly what Andrew Arnold had in mind. Not only the 4.3 format, but every small detail of what I think at this early ish juncture I mean I guess we're through to October so trail end of the year uh, is going to be one of my very favourite films of the year um, I'll keep it brief to set it up and for Paul's sanity but you've got uh, a character going yeah, no, by the name no of, spoilers for me no, no spoilers <laughs> going by the name of Star who is trying to find a way out of her uh, economically let's say disadvantaged position so Not we're in sort of similar Andrew Arnold territory I yes, say similar we Andrew, Andrew Arnold territory she did do that book because she did Wuthering Heights as well didn't she which I yeah that's seen right that, that's right I haven't seen that either to my uh, eternal discredit. but I digress and I've just cut you off in the mid well, so well I was going to say um, <laughs> a bit like you know when we talked about and set up uh, Don't Move where you've don't got breathe. a character excuse me Don't Breathe you're absolutely right I think I said Don't Move before you did, as yeah. well you, double you edit did. guys yeah. go yeah. back yeah. Connor can you sort that out <laughs> Uh, yes, in Don't Breathe 2, you had someone trying to get out of their situation, do anything they can. In this yeah. case, um, bumping into Shia LaBeouf in a supermarket is going to help a little bit with that. Um, this leads our protagonist on a journey which, in which she sort of joins a group who drive around in a van led by a kind of Queen Bee character who's in her, only her late 20s, who seems to command the respect of everybody, selling magazines, door-to-door -door selling of magazines. So... From this point, we're in road movie territory, but we're able to sweep through from the sort of south to the Midwest in the US with this kind of snapshot view 
of so many different parts of American, current American society and so many influences on, particularly on young people and the way that those influences maybe mould and shape the people that they are turning into as they sort of come of age, right? Andrew Arnold spends a lot of this film focusing on sm the smallest detail but they hold together so beautifully. Things like insects that are trapped and need to be freed. Yeah. Things like a wasp that's drowning in a swimming pool and needs to be taken out so that it can continue its life. Where all of these resonate with the plight of the central character herself, who's just looking for something, some freedom, some self-expression, some forward momentum. And yes, uh, the film runs actually longer than you might expect. It's a bit over two hours, this one. Maybe two hours and a half, two hours and a quarter. Um, to the very last notes of the song that plays this out which is now one of my new favourite songs it's just a beautiful lyrical film I can't recommend enough anybody and everybody don't worry if you've missed it at the cinema that's the fault of the distribution system as it is if you don't live in London it's probably going to be quite difficult to see at the cinema watch it at home it's probably going to be on VOD very very soon if not yeah. already uh, yeah I, I can't say more than that and then Paul, I'm sure, will come back to it once he's seen it and we'll bring it up again and, and talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I'm very excited to watch it because Red Road is just one of my, I say, favourite films. Mm. Uh, favourite is probably the wrong word for Red Road, but certainly one of the films that's moved me the most in recent years. So, yeah, certainly certainly excited to see it. Yeah, and it seems to sort of build on all the potential of Fish Tank as well. Like, yeah. The things we've seen Andrea Arnold done before, uh, do before, excuse me, have all sort of convalesced into this uh, this film I think okay. it's, it's her first film in America but it yeah. seems to be to me anyway the, the sort of pinnacle of her power at, the, at this point okay. so yeah really really good right so we finished at the popcorn counter we finally got into the cinema and we are very excited about some coming attractions yeah this gimmick's never going to get old is it it's no, always going to be think, good and we're, all, we're always going to have to explain it because it's like filler it's like that episode of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place I am drifted now it's like the episode of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place where they explain that certain things were shot in slow motion because they needed to fill the running time of an episode <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it's like so when you find we're explaining the format as we're going oh you know we've got some time to fill not that we always struggle for things to say no so it's funny it's sort of a counter what we should be doing because actually we always end up overrunning or yeah. speaking for too long and yet we're still talking but people love this part yeah. they're always writing in like yeah. more of that bit where you explain that you're sat in an imaginary well, cinema part of the reason I'm dragging this out is because my coming attraction is there's been a new trailer dropped Oh, a, a new, new trailer, trailer has dropped. dropped. You know when when Paul says something's dropped, he's either talking about the most underground of hip hop or <laughs> Star Wars Rogue One. Why am I excited about this? Because it's fucking Star Wars. Pete, your coming attraction. Gonna have to cut that out. Swearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, enough said. Then I suppose. Yeah. Star I was, Wars directed I was by Gareth. Star Wars to... directed by Gareth Edwards. Looks amazing. I went to Star Wars Celebration. I don't know why I haven't talked about Star Wars on this podcast yet, but hopefully we'll be doing one when Rogue One comes out. And I love Star Wars. Anyone that knows me knows I love Star Wars. And it's Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Is Pete. um is Daisy Ridley in it? No. Is she not? No, she's not. It's set before... Set uh, after... No, before. Much I know about Set that. before A New Hope, where they find the plans for the Death Star. But anyway, that's enough from me, because it's your turn. Although, can I just say one thing about Star Wars? It's not really about Star Wars. Have you seen the trailer for, for that movie um, with the guy who was in the last Star Wars, the black actor who played whichever character that was, because I don't know about Star John Wars. John Boyega, who played yeah, Finn. Yeah, John Boyega's in a sort of weird new horror movie. Have you seen that trailer? No, but I 
familiar with I'm I'm saying I'm going to now sound like a liar. Mm. I am familiar with the film of which you're talking, although I can't name it. Yeah, well, I don't know that I can either, but yeah, th- that guys and audience go and look for that. Just search John Boyega in the Google, yeah. and then find what he's doing, and then put the dots together. In fairness, our preparation, our preparation, you know, isn't always the best, but that was not in the notes at all, so we're allowed not to know the title of that film. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Well, my coming attraction is very, very similar to Star Wars, Paul. It's almost the same film. I don't know why they're releasing it so close to Star Wars. It is the new Kelly Reichardt film. Uh, certain uh, women yeah very similar to Star Wars so you've got a Kelly Reichard who we saw last well we didn't see her she was behind the camera but who last produced um, Night Moves um, with your boy Jesse Eisenberg and lots of sort of lush widescreen shots which he's known for from also things like Meek's Cut Off with Michelle Williams Michelle Williams is back for this one but Paul that isn't the end of it. You've also got Kristen Stewart. Is she a Jedi? Is that why it's like Star Wars? <laughs> Maybe. I haven't seen the film yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got Kristen Stewart, who I've informed the world. Um, some people are going to catch up later. It'll take a bit more time. But is actually a phenomenally good actress. In Clouds of Sils Maria, she's amazing. In this, she's going to be fantastic. I think in if Personal Shoppers coming up, she's going to be really good as well. She's working with uh, Asayas, who directed uh, Clouds of Sils Maria as well. Yeah. And then the third part of this trio is Laura Dern. So oh. I'm just so sold on all of this. I've already seen that the initial reviews are very positive. Cannot wait. Uh, the release date is apparently October the 9th, although it feels as if we're past October the 9th. So the UK release date and our local release date is TBA, I guess. But so look for it on VOD. Yeah, look for it where you can. Scra- scrape around on those internets. Yeah, so um, yeah, both tremendously excited for those things for different reasons, but I'm sure we'll both see both of them. And then I we'll would have thought we'll later. both see both, yeah. Yeah, something we did both see though, Paul. Yes, bringing us to our feature presentation. So the trailers are finished. Boom, the lights go down. The oh. aspect ratio corrects itself because Cineworld show trailers in the wrong Good. aspect ratio now, which is really annoying. That's up to you, Cineworld again. The lights go down just about in time for the film. To Some start. of the lights go down. Some, Some of them the lights just go stay down, lit yeah. for no reason. Yeah, our feature presentation is, lo and behold, colon reveries of a connected age. World. World. I got this wrong when we were prepping. Actually. I've got it wrong again now. The latest documentary by a man that we featured in our credit section, Werner Herzog. Yeah. What did we think? Well, to, to set it up for anyone who's not aware, I mean, we kind of talked about it on that um, credits for, for Werner thing a couple of episodes ago, but uh, Werner Herzog has decided, um, as, a, as a filmmaker known primarily for going into sort of harsh natural environments and finding a way to pull some, some artistic brilliance out of that, uh, Werner here has decided to go into the sort of disconnected, sort of um, alienating world of the internet and try and patch together a documentary about the disconnections between people. So you might say that the form and the content do kind of match up here. I mean, Werner's a man in his 70s. You wouldn't see him as the first candidate to make this documentary. No. But in certain ways, I think it works fairly well. What do you? What was your overall impression of this? I liked it, but I was expecting more from it. Mm. I think I think it's it's certainly interesting, and Vern, you know Werner Herzog doesn't really make bad films, um, but this I don't think is one of his best, and I don't think he necessarily. He doesn't seem like he's necessarily had enough experience to deal with it. So we get what ten chapters? Is mm. it ten chapters? Yeah, if I'm mistaken, chapters, so we get ten you... chapters. They've all got they've all got different titles, and they all look at they all look at different aspects of the internet. To start with, it's it's quite interesting. It tells you about the internet when it's first created. It takes you into 
takes you into a place where lo and behold a computer talked to another computer which is obviously where the titles the titles drawn well from. yeah and, and also that um, they they do mention the beginning which i think is one of the strongest sequences where the initial computer communication across what was the was word the low yes yeah it was low because it was going to be log and then yeah. the g failed and yeah. then it was this sort and of then the guy yeah then the guy was moment. like oh lo and behold the internet was created and then, yeah. yes yeah and that bit's quite interesting and you, there were you know there are things to learn from this and i've consider myself to be fairly tech savvy and I learnt I learnt a bit from this. Um but there were certain elements for me that are just he didn't touch on social media at all. Um well, there's a very brief scene social media. Monks tweeting. Um which which I found bizarre. Um he didn't touch on pornography whatsoever, but then as as I think was mentioned in the Q and A afterwards, there was he hasn't really ever touched on sex in his films, has he? So that's true. I mean, there, why, there was but... one guy in the section about addiction to the internet who mentioned that he was doing a lot of gaming and watching a lot of porn. So it sort of came up on the periphery of one yeah. of the conversations, but not not as a central theme. And as you said, there were ten chapters or headings with Roman numerals and sort of um, fairly, you know, front and center and unavoidable. There, they. D- he mentioned the Q and A as well. They, they didn't really have any re- meaning. Like they, it was sort of an arbitrary number mm. of t- chapters because, of course, you've got lo and behold, and you've got these big themes, and you've got the internet, and this sort of godlike feeling about that, the power of the internet, and then you've got ten chapters, and it could be like ten commandments, but it's not that well thought through. No, and I think, and then the, the, you know, he focuses some of the negatives as well. And when he focuses on the negatives, you've got this whole very weirdly framed shot about this this family who's who tragically lost their daughter. Yeah. Um, in a car crash, and people had emailed them the photos from from the scene of the accident. But and I think this that that scene in particular highlights one of my problems with the film is it all, although you are learning stuff from it, and there is some interesting stuff in there. To me, it almost feels like we are watching a film about the internet from two thousand and four. Mm. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not cheapening what's happened to that family, and I'm not saying that that's acceptable in the slightest. But and that is obviously one of the dark sides of the internet. But there was no mention, as we I think we discussed as we came out, there was no mention of jihadi terrorist groups using the internet for propaganda. Yeah, you know, there's no mention of online porn and it changing people's perceptions of what sex actually is. And I think and that that was my biggest problem with it. It felt it felt like Herzog had made this ten years ago and it had just been put out. Well, yeah, and I mean, you you know, I brought up when I was talking about Peter Berg the very idea that films made within a context have to. It, uh, there's a certain responsibility, I think, to be aware of the context in which you're making the film, particularly if you're making a film like this, which is supposed to be the sort of touchstone documentary about the state of the world in the internet mm. age, right? And so to have the story about the girl who was, uh, by their accounts, decapitated, essentially, in, in a horrible car accident, and then not to have any note, connection, uh, footnote about things like Daniel Pearl and uh, beheadings, yeah. yeah, as you're mentioning, for, from terrorist groups in the age where those things are proliferated only because the internet exists and those things are accessible. And no mention of internet trolls, yeah, none of that. It, it just, you know, this thing was always going to be a kind of patchwork of different pieces, different snapshots from around the, the internet world. But then it felt like there needed to be something a bit more coherent about them and a bit more cogent so that you didn't just feel like... Well, come to this point, I'll set this one up for you. In the Q&A, Werner said that the project came about initially because, um, I, I don't want to misquote this, but Net, Netscope or something like that, Netscape, not Netscape, that's the wrong, anyway, mm. an, a technologies company, a communications company had approached him about doing short films for YouTube yeah. about the internet. 
Do you feel like this is, and you know, coming at this from someone who loves Mulholland Drive, which was you know an aborted TV series that was made into a feature film, mm. I understand that there could be a double standard, but this kind of suffered because of its sort of origin story, maybe. Yeah, I think I think it does in a way, and the chapters kind of because they were so meaningless, it felt like a series of vignettes. And I've just remembered the word I mispronounced on a podcast a while ago when I said the word vignettes. Ah, oh, there and we I was go. Very disappointing in myself. Constantly, and involving. I've been kicking myself ever since. I was like, there was one word that I completely mispronounced, pronounced, pronounced. Yeah. And uh, yes, it was vignettes instead of vignette. So, although it is, I digress. I'm sorry. Um, although it does just feel like a series of vignettes, and it doesn't really have any any structure and. Werner Herzog knows as a filmmaker and I've talked about this before with, with documentary filmmaking is that although they are there to present the facts and you have to make your own mind up documentary film documentary still has to be entertaining as much as it needs to be informative mm. and I think although certain bits are informative it loses some of that entertainment value because there's no there's no not in, narrative structure is the wrong word but there isn't any structure to it it's just vignettes well yeah and I, I mean I, I think I partly agree and partly disagree like I think that I would just slightly reframe it as the the documentary documentary filmmaking now or maybe always has a certain authorial necessity about it right there's always an author or a creator of a documentary yeah. and they have some sort of singular view no matter how objective they're trying to be they always have some kind of view about something and they've got to find a way to make that resonate or or connect with other people the issue that I have with this film is less that it lost me on a sort of an entertainment level, although I think I'd probably agree with that as a general point. It's more that I feel like Werner, in undertaking this project and the way it's come out, is almost drifting into this terrain where a, being a sort of guy in his 70s with a funny voice who looks askance at things, a sort of sideways view at the, the crazy sort of maelstrom of the world... Mm is just going to become his stock in trade and I and I think that there's a lot he's done so much in his career that he at once deserves to be able to do what the hell he likes now but also you, like you said earlier on I think I hope for a bit better I hope for a bit more from this and I hope for a bit more insight and a bit more depth I mean I was expect I was expecting like a savage attack on social media on the internet like or not yeah kind of that just with a bit more teeth and I felt that again, it, it wasn't it wasn't bad, um, and did, did learn stuff from it, but just it wasn't what I expected it to be. Yeah, I mean, I think. and maybe that's our problem for going in with preconceptions. But it could be. I mean, it could be. I and mean, he he is. Uh, we talked about this when he came out of the screening, but he is incredibly prolific at the moment, and I think he's aware of his advancing years, and he wants to produce as much as possible. Mm. And it's not all going to be gold, and this no. is by no means bad. This is by no means something to avoid. No, and it, you know the the and just to go back onto the positives. You know the the choice of subjects again, which is something Herzog's famous for, is great. Um, and there's there's guys you want you really want to spend some more time with, which again yeah. was why the chapters are a bit disappointing. But staying on the positives, there are some really interesting characters here, and some you know the chat some of the chapters are really quite quite well done. And mm. there is there is still stuff to there is still stuff to learn from this. But I was expecting a, a, a star ratings. You know we've talked about star ratings. I was expecting a five star hard hitting documentary. Mm. I think for me, I sort of got a three and a half star. Going, yeah, that was not quite what I wanted to really. Yeah, yeah. It I could mean, have been so much more. I mean, one thing that again came up because there was this Q and A live Q and A afterwards with uh, Richard Iowadi interviewing Werner on stage in, in London, and we weren't in London obviously because we're yokels and we live out in the country. But um, 
Werner, I've also heard recently, and I'd recommend this too, his sit down with Mark Marin on the WTF podcast. I think he's got a couple more listeners than us, but you know, it's early days for us. <laughs> um, he is immensely proud of the short that he did uh, from one second to the next, which we talked about on the which show. Which is fantastic. In, in the past, which was a sort of public information film about the dangers of texting whilst driving. And it's had this huge impact and it's been adopted by the high school curriculums of many schools across the United States. Now, it felt like that kind of short form filmmaking maybe would have been the best way to do this project. Maybe if you went on YouTube and you saw a YouTube or internet based series of Werner each week or each mm. day tackling a different part, you know, then that format would be perfect. I think when you stitch them all together and present them as a feature, as a sort of premium, because we had, you know, paid a premium to go and see this thing as a premiere screening, then you are picked apart a little with a little bit more veracity yeah. by people who are expecting a lot more of you and, and have seen things like Cave of Forgotten Dreams and Into the yeah. Abyss and maybe the better stuff that he's done in that yeah, format. Yeah, Grizzly Man, that kind of recently. thing. Yeah. yeah, precisely. So, lo and behold, Werner did something and we didn't absolutely love it. No. Um, wow. Okay, so the feature's over, which, you know, we were middling on. Yeah. Um, which brings us to the credits. Now, the credits this week, uh, we said we'd pay credit to people uh, doing anything in film, really, anything related to anything, film. Anything positive that just is worthy of credit and maybe doesn't get the credit it deserves in yeah. some, some cases. There are a lot of credits rolling up the screen now for a particular reason, Paul. We've decided to dedicate this whole section for this week to a particular thing that we both went to. You explain. Which was X66... Film Festival. Of, of, yeah, not very easy for me to say. X66 Film Festival uh, in my hometown of Basingstoke. Why, which, why, why is it called X66? Because Basingstoke is off the sixth exit of the M3 motorway. Right, so you've got a very sort of localised... Uh, and identifiable name for the festival but at the yeah. same time this thing is I think going to grow and grow judging by the first one right? I would hope this thing's going to grow and grow um, it's run by run a team run by a uh, friend of the show Mark Brennan um, and also another guy that's been on the show Carl Austin um, they're filmmakers themselves uh, we've talked about them in the past yeah back around um, uh, episode uh, something like 12, 13, I don't know. Yeah. You can look, look it up, obviously. They've, but so they've joined us on the podcast, but you know, so there's, but please don't tell us there's been any bias here uh, because there isn't. An exit six was just absolutely superb. Oh, we'd have come on here um, and, and savaged it if we needed to. I mean, and just ruined those relationships forever. But yeah. there's absolutely no need to do anything like that <laughs> because it was a. It, I would say without sounding hyperbolic which I'm really not being it was just a ceaselessly pleasurable experience it was an absolutely great day yeah I mean it's it's the first event of its type um, it's the it's their first event it's not the first film festival in Basingstoke but it's certainly their first film festival and you absolutely wouldn't have known it was their first no film way, festival no way it, it was across multiple locations it was so professionally done the presenters were great the selection of films was great everything it just it just felt so good it didn't feel like a first first event in the slightest yeah i mean i came at it i guess from a little bit more of an outsider than than paul because of not growing up or living in basingstoke at any point in my life but i should been... be lucky that you haven't, <laughs> i i've been there a couple of times um with paul in in the past but on this occasion from the very start we were in the the red line which is sort of a pub slash hotel venue which was the home of the some of the talks in the festival and also the first block of screenings 
And when we were in there, in the bar, just chatting with people as this thing was getting started, you had, as you said, like this impression that this thing had been going for a few years and it was run by, you know, a slick group of professionals. They'd got uh, lanyards which were beautifully laid out. The graphic design work was wonderful. I mean, I was expect I was expecting it to be good because I, I, I personally know Mark quite well as well. So and I know he's a driven guy and mm. I know when he puts his mind to something and, you know, all of the, all of the guys in the team as well. It was a bigger team than just Mark, reason to add, but... Yes, um, I was expecting it to be good, but what, yeah, what was there kind of took took me by surprise in a positive way because you said the lanyards were there, there was crew badges. It just felt like such a slick event. Yeah, yeah, and everyone was very personable and approachable and helpful in, in everything the, that we needed. The need, two screens it? in the screening room because they were aware there was a pillar in the middle of the room. It was little things like this, and I've been to a number of film festivals now where little things like this aren't thought about. So right. in in the screening room in the Red Lion. There's a pillar in the middle of in the middle of the room. So in other film festivals I've been to, if you end up lumped in those seats, kind of tough. Mm. There's not there's not much you can do about it. But in this, they just put an extra screen up, so the screen either side of the pillar, and it was little thoughtful things like that that made me, again, you know, blew me away and made me think it, you know, there's no way this could be their first event. I mean, there was also a little bit of serendipity about the event because it turned out that one of the venues used was the View Cinema, the sort of plush multiplex in, in the centre of Basingstoke and when we walked in there to look for the screen that was showing the Exit 6 uh, films they were in of course screen 6 and I was blown away by this little touch and talked to Mark later on we both talked to Mark later on and said you know what what a great thing you did to screen 6 and he said actually that was just a stroke of luck because uh, that was the one that was available and it was the screen for them but again they deserve that kind of luck and they deserve that kind of break because the thing was just so well put together yeah the, 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 the hard work that gone into it was, was obvious from the get go and the, you know they'd organised they got the, the judging panel they got a member of the BAF, BAFTA fellowship there uh, I remember a BAFTA even, and um, you know they had, and they had a like a, a known producer. I've forgotten the name of now, so apologies. But um, yeah, and there was just it was just it was so so well put together. You had the, the different screening blocks, which is great. The variety of films was great, and then in the evening you had what was called the judges six. So that was the six best films the judges had picked, and like the caliber of the films as well was was superb, especially yeah. especially the top six as you can imagine. But. And, you know, um... Yeah, I mean, in covering um, short films for the site, as we have done, th any film festival that's put together, you do expect, uh, you know, a bit of an up and down in terms of quality. You expect maybe every other film's not going to hit you in quite the same way as the previous one. Now, there's a great variety of films at XX6, but I think we both agreed nothing that we watched felt out of place on no and I think having in going back to other festivals there's certain you know there's certain times you sit at festivals and you don't like to admit this to yourself but it's true you kind of sit there and especially you know when when we were focused more on the short film side of it sat there doing the write-ups for the website um you'd, you'd kind of be sitting there through a block of films going oh when can I go back to the bar yeah like uh, when do you know when does this run of film finish or you go oh it's okay only two left yeah how long are they and you go oh one's 20 minutes and you go oh 20 minutes with this like the way the films have been put together and the way the lineup was structured that didn't happen so yeah I mean I, I think in, in that sense as well there's a certain fatigue that can come out of blocked uh, short film viewing as opposed to like feature film viewing because in feature film viewing you have a setup and you are with some characters and then you go through the story arc with those characters whereas short films you've got that compressed and then repeated you know six eight ten times in a block and it can feel quite tiring to kind of get up for each one, key into the characters or the situation and then down and then the next one and the next one. Whereas in this, I think they put quite a lot of care as well into what they'd matched together. The films that sat side by side seemed to work pretty well together. And whether that's fully deliberate, I don't know. I obviously wasn't involved in programming this at all, but 
it did seem like the sort of level of thought that they probably did put into to what they put on. So I know both of those guys, well, all of the team, actually, when you saw them around the festival were saying, you know, was it OK? Is it going OK? Are there any disasters? And we just couldn't reiterate enough, like uh, just a really impressive. First, and I think, yeah, like, to, and thankfully, I've, I've seen some of the other people that, that have been there. Um, a lot of the people we chat to the after party. The after party is a great idea and it's, it's great to actually talk to the filmmakers and talk to the actors that are in them. It's nice to have those around because quite oftentimes at, at film festivals there can be that kind of separation between filmmakers and audience and it is, it's just kind of important to, to break that down and the, the after party did that everyone was quite happy to chat which was nice and it was yeah you know it was uh, yeah well you, you it, was also, a jolly, it was a jolly old time afterwards as well I think well, I didn't drink Paul but I, <laughs> you had a couple yeah um, yeah I think there was also a sort of really healthy cross-pollination between filmmakers and audience in the sense that a lot of the audience were also filmmakers or were involved in filmmaking in, in some way, right? So you had people sharing ideas, maybe sharing contacts, sharing technique, uh, you know, technical advice, that kind of thing, which made it feel like it was a sort of breeding ground for the next wave of, you know, shorts and features and documentaries that those filmmakers are going to produce and probably fired some of those filmmakers with a, a new sense of momentum I think going mm. forward because I heard people say you know this is the best networking event that yeah. I've been to all year some of these people were, were coming in from London or, or bigger cities and to say that of a festival taking place in Basingstoke yeah. asterisk no offence um, <laughs> is, is really quite a high praise indeed you know to Hashtag the organisers of, of, this, <laughs> of this thing so um, was there any films in particular I mean I don't, I don't want to highlight one film to the detriment of another but was there anything that stuck out for no, you I think it's, yeah I think um, Uncanny Valley Mm. Um, Uncanny Valley definitely stuck out for me an Argentinian short film big budget that one um, relatively speaking right? I heard someone say in the region of, of £80,000 um, I did hear those murmurings as well yeah, yeah that was that was fantastic that stood out for me yeah uh, this is a sort of dystopian future sci-fi yeah, video game kind of, mashup yeah, kind of VR with the VR and the video games thing that kind of appealed but yeah no it was it's, that's, it's got that's worth a watch. feature funding I believe though I believe I so I think they'd said that it is what going to be what we'll do is we'll, we'll try and find some we'll try and find some of the links to some of the shorts that were there just to give you guys an idea of the quality that was on display what what stood out for you really um yeah a number of things I was very taken as I think a lot of people were with the film that ended up winning um best film or at least best director for the director which was uh, Apparition which yeah, is which is very funny yeah a, a sort of um blackly comic film about an apparition that appears on the wall of a, a man's apartment and the kind of unwanted attention that brings and how he deals with that attention which really made great use of the format of sh you know the, the running time of his short film and um, and I, I don't know if you've got the director's name there Paul we really should have but uh, check out Apparition if you have the chance I mean all of these things that or both of those films that we're talking about and all the information relating to xx6 uh, film festival we have to really get in as a as a full force plug goes through paul exit six film festival.com filmfestival.com um and again The exit6filmfestival.com website, beautifully laid out, very easy to use. 
and already there's a date in the bag for next year's festival. If you have any interest in film or filmmaking whatsoever, then you need to put the date in your diary of the 23rd of September 2017, which is when the next Exit 6 is going to take place. Not only that, but you'll likely meet us and Mm. also see the shining lights of Basingstoke. So top effort, guys. Really top effort. And I don't want to flatter with faint praise or... um, you know, it sound like I'm having a sort of dig, sideways dig at Basingstoke, but Basingstoke's never looked better, man. It was, it, it, beca- it turned from a sort of fairly depressing town into sort of the perfect canvas for this festival, I thought, yeah. you know, and what do I know? I've been there but a couple of times, but it, it worked out absolutely. I don't think it could have really gone any better as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I'm sure if you ask Mark, he could find one or two things that he'd like to improve but from a first festival what what a showing absolutely superb as I said as I said before top effort top effort guys keep it up yeah absolutely and that brings us um, on a ending on a positive note that brings us to the end of episode 23 there wasn't 23 references to the number 23 in there I believe there was three no, but I'm going to go back and watch that film two or three times. I see what you've done there. Uh, and then, yeah, no, it's a piece of shit and it's not even funny. <laughs> to be honest, it's not even funny to drag out that joke. It's about 10 years out of date at this point. Yes. But that's the sort of cutting edge that we're sitting Much on. Much like that actually. t-shirt, Pete. What, mine? No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so before, you know, before we get too funny for you guys to handle, uh, we're going to sign off. And uh, any feedback, uh, you find us on SoundCloud, Strangers in Cinema, I'm struggling to do the sign-off because I never do it. Yeah, did that uh, sound like Stourcloud? Stourcloud, yeah. That's a new, we've come up with Stourcloud. It's hosted in Stourbridge. No, um, soundcloud.com slash strangersinacinema is where at, you'll find that. At Strangers Cinema on Twitter. Yeah, um, of course, we're Strangers in a Cinema on Facebook. Uh, wherever you want to find us, do that. We've got strangersinacinema at gmail.com for any emails you want to send directly. But of course, you can send them through social media and it's probably a quicker way to, to do so. Also, yeah, all the episodes of the show archived on the SoundCloud and we'll throw that and up. iTunes and yeah, all iTunes, the, all the... Stitcher and, and yeah. all those places. So, so yeah, we're, I just want to get this in before we finish, Paul. We're aware that having taken a sort of break, a hiatus from, from doing this show, we lost a lot of the momentum that we had before. We had some great supporters in the past. We'd love to get those people back on board and also get new people involved in listening to our show, giving us feedback, checking out what we think, disagreeing, agreeing and so on. So what you can do for us if, you are, if you've made it to this far into the episode is things like rate us on iTunes, write a review on iTunes, share the link to the show, uh, retweet us on Twitter, all of the kind of desperate, needy things that people with a social media presence need you to do. We're not above that. Yeah, and we, please do it. Yeah, um, we, and we, we really we, like that. We also, support. we want to know what you think. You know, and Absolutely. If, we, if you think we're shit, then tell us, <laughs> tell us we're shit. If you, think there's other th- if you think there's other things could be done to improve it, if you're a regular, so let us know what you think of the new format, for example, because at the moment it's just... We've actually we've had some good feedback on the new format, but mostly it's just us going, "What a great idea!" Yeah. So yeah, no, please, I, please tell us. I mean, please it's kind of Paul, a, a bit analogous with uh, the the birth of punk music. Stay with me, because at that time, you know, you just needed a guitar and a drum kit and so on, and you could just smash at them for a bit, and you essentially made a band. We're aware, you know, all you need to make a film podcast these days is a microphone and a laptop, and then you just throw out your opinions and see how it goes. Now. 
instead of the punk aesthetic and attitude of those times, we <laughs> resolve to not smash all our equipment at the end, which is you know going to be a bit expensive if we do it every time, but just click off a button and leave you for another week or two. But yeah, as we're saying, just get involved, help our movement grow a little bit and get a bit more momentum and we'll give back as much as we possibly can. Yeah, uh, yeah, I completely agree with everything you've just said, Pete. So, boom. Boom. Strangers out. <laughs>